You can find lots of talented people that know they're talented, and because they know they're talented, they don't play well with others. Do you want to play with other people and work together with other people to make something? Or are you just a lone wolf out there and you know it all? Uh, anybody that thinks they know it all is wrong. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Derek Morton, co-founder and former CEO of Flowplay, which develops browser-based virtual world technology and games with no software required. Derek has been an entrepreneur, leader, and innovator in the digital entertainment industry for more than two decades. At the helm of Flowplay for the last decade, he established the company as the creator of the industry's most powerful, immersive gaming platform and driven product innovation to build an emerging multiplayer social casino that captures the attention of 75 million users worldwide. He's identified new opportunities and untapped markets, including free-to-play sports betting and fantasy sports gaming, and spearheaded the development of more than 200 digital entertainment projects. Derek, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about your story and what you're up to. Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest problem that Flowplay solves? Oh, gosh. Uh, loneliness. That's what I always tell my team. Our, our why is people in general are lonely and need someone to talk to. And that's what our platform does. It gives you a place to come on the internet and meet other people, hang out with them, play games, socialize. Uh, 65,000 people have gotten married uh, in our wedding chapel. Really? Uh, so, yeah. So people fall in love. They form uh, really tight friendship bonds. It's a place for people that are bored and lonely to meet other people. That's really interesting. So so you and your co-founder, Douglas Pearson, founded the company in early 2007. Um, you completed Series A, uh, took about seven, a little over $7 million in institutional capital, and you sold the company back in December when your revenues were $42 million. Yeah, it's not bad for 14 years later, right? Or 15 years <laughs> later. Depends on who you talk to. Some of my investors said it was too long. Most of them were like, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like you can never make everyone happy, right? So what had investors excited about your company to, you know, cough up $7 million in Series A? Yeah, I think it's because we were, we were, our goal was to build a platform, not to just to build a game. So I think one of the mistakes some people uh, make when they're trying to raise money is uh, they're talking about a particular project or to the particular product they want to make versus what is the actual technology platform you're trying to build? Because that's what really has the value, right? Is, is you're, you're building technology and building technology that can launch dozens of products versus just one. So we, we, that was our kind of differentiator and how we positioned ourselves. Mm -hmm. And... But so was was the problem, I mean, as you said, you're solving, you know, people are lonely, right? It gives somebody something to do, talk to. But, you know, why that versus going out and actually meeting people face to face? 
Oh boy, meeting people face to face is hard. <laughs> meeting people mm -hmm. on the internet For a lot with, of an, people. Yeah, with right. an avatar, it's easy, right? Because right. the avatar is not you, it represents you. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's also interesting that, you know, the avatar is, um, you know, young and attractive. <laughs> For the most part, most people choose young and attractive avatars. I don't know yeah. why. Don't ask Needless me why. Everybody, to say. everybody wants right. to be young and attractive, but that's the way it is. Uh, and so uh, you're a young and attractive person and experiencing being young and attractive, even though maybe you're not so young and so attractive as you once were. Uh, and so people are paying attention to you uh, in a way that they normally wouldn't in everyday life. You know, I, I tell everybody, you know, about the time people started calling me sir was about the time I became invisible to women, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know when people call me ma'am, I feel the same way. Though that was my mother, not me. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about your journey, Derek, from, you know, kind of where you started, you know, I know you, you, you did, you know, you have an interesting background and, you know, production and product mar and marketing and so on and so forth. How you, I mean, your journey from where you started to founding a company. Boy, uh, I really, at my, at my core, I'm sort of a creative guy. I love, uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I was a filmmaker. I went to film school at USC. Um, and when I first entered the job market, that's uh, those are my skills. So that's what people paid me to do was, was do creative work. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was uh, usually the lead creative on different websites we were building in the 90s and games we were building in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, but I sort of hit a, a ceiling. Um, as a creative, nobody takes you seriously as a business leader. They think, well, you're the creative guy. We will come right. to you and you have right. creative decisions we need made. Yeah. But uh, from a business point of view, hey, leave it to the professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went back to school and got my MBA at UCLA and uh, on the executive program. And because uh, I wanted to check that box and be able to say, well, yeah, I'm a creative guy, but I've also, you know, I also know business. Uh, here's my MBA to prove it. Um, and so I started, I started a company, I guess, three years later. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, you know, looking at, you know, as a first time founder, what are some of the biggest challenges you encountered as a, as a first time CEO? Yeah. Um, being told no a lot. Uh, it's hard. It's hard being turned down, being, being told, no, we can't fund your company. We're not going to give you any money. Uh, yeah. And I've, I, I bet I pitched uh, at least 30 VCs. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was, it, was a, it was a long road. Uh, fortunately, I got on stage, uh, and that's how I got the attention of uh, Intel, Intel, the chip makers who eventually did our round, ah. uh, just because they saw me at a conference doing a pitch on stage. Uh, Isn't otherwise, that I was getting a lot of no's. Well, and I think that's, you know, that is certainly not uncommon, especially with first-time founders. You know, it's it's hard. I mean, it was it that, what was it about all those no's? Like, what was it about what you were doing that they were just like, no, not interested? You try not to take it personally, right? You, you, you try well, I mean, it's not it personal. Right. Right. But, but what was the reasons that they were giving you? For now. Um, well, any association with games is a hard one because people, right. when they think about games, they think about, well, it's a hit-based business. It's sort of like mm -hmm. movies, right? Right. Who knows if your movie or your game or your creative product is going to be successful or not because there, there's a, there, there's a, you know, a low average of, mm -hmm. of successful games and successful creative projects. So that was the first thing is to sort of not focus on that, as I spoke about before, in terms of, you know, pitching us as a platform. Mm -hmm. So that was some of the feedback I got because even pitching us as a platform, people still 
you know, saw the third rail of games were like, yeah, we don't do game deals. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, you could be a one hit wonder, right? Right, exactly. And I mean, and that may be great, but, but you know, what's the longevity? So clearly uh, there's longevity since you sold the company back in December. Um, and you had said to me, you returned 12X to your investors. Yeah, it's better than a sharp stick in the eye. Right? Yep. Um, what about your employees? Did you, had you given out uh, equity, pre-IPO yeah, options and so on? Everybody had equity. Every employee mm -hmm. has uh, equity in the company. Uh, we had um, awesome. 18 millionaires created. Okay. It was so of 70, was 70 employees. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm sure they were probably pretty happy, uh, pretty happy about that. So you, you are staying on as president. You have a two-year contract. Yep. Um, did they, you know, I mean, have you had any turnover since the acquisition, or We've what? What did that look person, like? Did people? One person has left. Um, wow. He was really interested in artificial intelligence and and VR, mm -hmm. uh, and so he left to go pursue that. But out of seventy employees, that's the only person we haven't retained. That's that's impressive. And and have the rest gotten um, a retention bonus to stay? Yeah. So everybody has go forward uh, participation in the in the profit mm -hmm. sharing and in the equity of the company. Mm -hmm. uh, so we mm -hmm. have Phantom stock. And we also have uh, year-end profit sharing. So at the end of the year, we take a, a, a chunk of the profits and distribute right. it to the employees as well. Mm -hmm. Who bought you? Uh, they're called Wind Creek Hospitality. They're a casino company. That's what it sounds um, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Owned by an Indian tribe, which is super interesting. Uh, yep. So it's an which Indian tribe thought. out of the Southeast. Okay. okay. Um, yep. They have casinos in Aruba, Curacao, the Southeast, Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. um, Chicago, Las Vegas, all over. Actual, actual casinos. So yeah. what do you think, you know, I mean, was this really to expand their portfolio? You know, now people don't have to go to the casino. We can, you know, we can do this for you at home. Well, they know that as soon as someone walks out of their casino, <laughs> they, they're going to lose contact with them. And so that's mm -hmm. what they want is to continue that relationship outside of a land-based operation. And that's what we offer is a way for people that as soon as they get home or even on mm -hmm. their phone, um, mm -hmm. continue that relationship, continue playing games with them, continue hearing about what's happening mm -hmm. with, the, with, the, with their casinos, what events are happening, those things. Right. So aside from all those no's you got initially, I, I can't imagine that was the only challenge as a first-time leader that you encountered. Were there others? You know, I mean, what, I mean, were you challenged by, you know, developing a culture? Did you have turnover? Did you have trouble finding people to work for you? I mean, it could be anything, you know. Yeah, I was I was pretty lucky in terms of hiring because I I, um, I had a group of people I've been working with for a while who were mm. excited about working with me. Doug, my partner, had been working with me for a while. Mm -hmm. Several of the people that first started with me were people that I were working with at, at the previous company. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the the hard part for me, and it sounds kind of strange, is it was the first time I'd been responsible for people's lives uh, and livelihoods. I've, I've been a leader at other companies, but, you know, there were larger organizations where it wasn't just me on the line. You know, it was like the, the company had, uh, you know, its own finances. But as a startup, you know, there were we, we never missed payroll. But there were times where we were very, very, very close three mm -hmm. or four times. And Early that's the on, kind of stuff yeah. that keeps me up at night is, is knowing that I'm responsible for the lives and, you know, families mm -hmm. of, of, of people that work for me and, and, and uh, I'm responsible for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I agree. But but people are also accountable for making a risky decision, right, to go with a startup. 
No. But the first, you know, I, I, I always say that um, first time founders have a higher probability to fail. Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, um, repeat founders have a higher probability to succeed, although there are no guarantees on either of those. Right. Sure. So, you know, you, you know, I, I believe as long as you are open and honest with people about whatever your challenges might be and they make the choice to come work for you, they also have to be accountable for that choice they made. Of course. It's not just on you. Right. And I, you know, and, and the reason I mention this is because, you know, we live in a world where people are just no longer accountable for anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Right. It's always somebody else's fault. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's, that's a further, that's another whole conversation. However, <laughs> So tell me a little bit about Derek, the competitive nature of this business that you built. Oof. Yeah, it's a, it's a very competitive industry, obviously yeah. games, um, something like 200 games launch every day. Wow. So it, it's super competitive. Uh, there are over a hundred thousand games in the Apple store. So to break through that kind of noise and mm -hmm. that kind of uh, volume is extremely difficult to get the attention of consumers. I mean, everybody who's marketing consumer product has that problem find, finding mm -hmm. their consumer, but right. games is particularly difficult because it's for in some ways there's a low barrier to entry. I mean, there yep. are, of those 200 games, you know, probably over half of them are made by very small teams, just mm -hmm. people working in their garage, not large teams. Uh, but that barrier to entries could be low, and some very simple games are made by very talented, uh, very small groups. Mm -hmm. So, would you say? I mean, would you say that? Um, so, so how did you differentiate yourselves? How did you market? I mean, how did people find out about you? Well, in some ways, we had to trick them because um, you can't you can't advertise. Hey, come meet friends on the internet. Because uh, yeah, people nobody's ser <laughs> nobody's searching for that in Google. That's right. What they're right. searching for is like, I want to play a free game. I want to play an online game. I want to play a multiplayer game. And so mm -hmm. you have to you have to really uh, bring people in what they think they're looking for. And then, but show them what they need and what they, what they really are. The reason why they're bored and searching Google for, for free games is because they're bored and lonely and have no one to talk to and nothing to do. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is like, yeah, sure, here's a place where you can come play games. But what they discover is that there's people around that they can chat with. They have funny clothes on. Uh, they, they may, you know, um, be interested in the same game they are. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a topic of conversation. All kinds of things start to happen once they see that they're in a, a multiplayer a virtual environment. Does it concern you or has it concerned you at all that people are, you know, in these sort of, let's call them fake worlds, um, you know, not, you know, in real life? the the sort of negative consequences on society? I mean, uh, I would see it, and that's why I ask. I mean, curious. I think the, the thing that I see that, uh, that bothers me is that people sometimes use it as an excuse to uh, to not be a good person, you know, because they have that, because they are not representing themselves because they can't trace anything back to their, their real, real person. Right. Uh, that that they're they're a bad actor. So we built up lots of systems to uh, to try and find out find those bad actors really really early. Uh, in fact, our first game was a kids game before we did social casino. We built a game called Our World for teenage girls. Uh, 
And in that game, it was particularly important, obviously, that we make sure that there were no bad actors or as That's few right. bad actors we could get away with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, the casino that you built, is this, I mean, gambling, like, you know, going on to, you know, Vegas slots or, you know, whatever? It's all, it's all for fun. There's no real money okay. involved. Got so it. You, so you can't, you can't win at the slot games, but we have, we have everything you can think of. Uh, so you kind of just go in and play and have fun. Yes, exactly. Super. So, so what's the, what's the financial model? Um, we, one other way we differentiate ourselves is um, we sell luck. So uh, every hmm. one of our competitors, they sell you the coins you put in the machine. So okay. if you play in any other social casino, uh, when you run out of your coins that they give you when you start you gotta, the game, right. you have to buy more to keep playing. Correct. We will give you free coins as long as you want to play. What we sell you is a way to change the odds of the games so that you win. Now you're just you're still just winning fake coins, but the right. experience you're having is of winning, of being in front of a slot machine uh, that pays out great, that makes you feel like wow. This um, is really, even, yeah. So we can do this in blackjack, we can do this in poker, we can do this in any gambling game. We have a patent on a process, this process called charms. So they're lucky okay. charms you get, uh, mm -hmm. and that's what people buy. So uh, I think eighty-five to ninety percent of our revenue is just from selling people luck. That's really interesting. Well, the the what, what's critical about that as well, the way we do it is. Uh, when you buy a, say you sit down at a blackjack table in our game and you mm -hmm. buy a beer, everybody at the table gets that beer too. So you're buying around. It's never <laughs> just for you. It's for everybody at the table. Sure. And mm -hmm. so while that beer lasts and it probably lasts five hands of blackjack because it only costs like 10, 15 cents, everybody starts to win more. And so this starts a virtuous cycle of like, well, Bob to my right, he bought a beer last time. I guess I'll buy a beer this time. And so people start to talk about, hey, thanks for buying me that beer. I'll buy one too. Mm -hmm. And it really it becomes an icebreaker and it becomes an activity that people associate with having fun. So, so you know, I, the difference is, so until somebody buys the luck, right? As you said, you sell luck. Um, is it basically the same odds as you'd find in any casino in Vegas? Exactly. Depending yeah. on the game, but depending on the game, right? You know, I mean, like, like I, I play um, craps and, yep. and I love it. And, you know, it's, it's fun. It's buried in the middle of the casino, but it also has the best odds in the casino, it right? Does. It does. <laughs> you know, so so the question is, is without buying luck, are you still having the same odds as I would say if I, you know, sat down at a table at, you know, XYZ Casino? Yeah, yeah it's exactly the same. So our slots, our poker, our blackjack, our roulette, mm -hmm. everything is the same odds as you would find in a casino. That is really awesome. I love that. So what would you say from a... Um, in, in the industry, if you look at this gaming industry, um, what would you say are the biggest challenges facing the industry and you as a company? Is it what you've already talked about, meaning, you know, getting somebody's attention because there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of games in the, you know, the Apple store? 100,000 games? Visibility is a piece of it. It's it's probably the, the largest piece of it. I, I guess there's also things at play with, with um, you know, Apple just changed one of their policies that's made it really difficult on game companies. Um, it, it sounds simple, but it's really, it's really quite dramatic. Uh, they eliminated the ability for me as a game developer to know how I acquired that customer. 
So it used to be if a customer saw my uh, ad, they would click on that ad, they would right. come to the Apple store, and I would be able to follow that link that they clicked on mm -hmm. and say, no, oh, so that you clicked came how, from here. Right, so you know if your marketing's working. That must be a good channel. I will mm -hmm. spend more in that channel and avoid mm -hmm. the channels where I'm not seeing as much activity and not seeing as much success. Well, Apple turned that off and it was a major change. It just, it's been about, about eight months now and everybody's, uh, everybody's hurting from it. Yeah, why do you think they did that? To hurt Facebook. But instead it's hurting, hurting <laughs> the small businesses. Yeah, no, they, they, I, I, I'm positive they did it because you know Facebook was making tons and tons of money uh, on marketing on Apple. Uh, and by that one stroke, they were able to really damage Facebook's business. On the face of it, though, what they were able to tell their consumers, though, well, this is for privacy reasons. For privacy reasons, we're not allowing this tracking. Well, I mean, you know, that that is a thing, right? You know, we live in a world where we are tracked by everybody. Yes. You know, it's, it's why I gave up my Gmail, finally. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, and, and went ahead and paid for email that's encrypted from Switzerland. <laughs> 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 you know, I don't get any spam anymore. None. Zero. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's, I feel like I have a whole new lease on my personal email life. Funny, yeah. I, you I, know, I, I still it, we use Gmail as a company, but uh, I, we have a we have our own filters and stuff that we apply. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But you know, I, I check in on my because you know I use if we use Google Docs for any business, so I have kept that you know email open, and I look at it like maybe once a month, you know, just to, in case there's anything in there that somebody has missed that I need to actually look at. But yeah, I mean, you know, we live in a world of tracking. So I, you know, I can't, you know, is it, is it to hurt Facebook? Yeah, very likely. Um, you know, is it, is it also to keep from being tracked by Facebook? You know, that's music to my ears, frankly. Yeah. Um, well, what I, know, I, what I, I hate is, Facebook. <laughs> what I, what the problem for me is that everybody's lumped into the same bucket. Well, of, I mean, listen, what, this what is I, how. What, I, what I'm against is I would, I would love to be able to have a rule where if I'm selling your information, I want to be able to block that. Like, so if yes. I was, you know, I would, if, if, you know, if you were clicking on a link and that, that, uh, that information was going into a, a data depository and being sold, that's a much different yes. uh, proposition than me just simply needing to know where you came from as a customer so I can do a better job as a marketer. Well, hopefully they can, you know, Apple will figure out a way to, you know, make people happy because you're right. If you don't know where your business is coming from, how do you market effectively? It's hard. It's really hard. It, it, right. It's hard. Exactly. Um, you know, what are some of the, would you say, mis mistakes as a CEO you've made along the way? And what have you done to correct them? Oh, boy. Um Probably one of the most challenging things as a CEO is that people take your word as law and are unlikely to question you when you should be questioned. So no. I have to go out of my way when I say something to say, but if you don't think that's a good idea, let's talk about this. Versus mm -hmm. like me saying something and then walking out the door and people going, okay, well, Derek said to do it. So that's I, the gospel. I, uh, let's, let's get it done. Don't think mm -hmm. it's a great idea, but let's just get it done because he said so. So uh, that, that's, that's one of the, um, the, the hardest things is, is to make sure that people realize that they have some autonomy and they have some ownership and that I don't always make the best decisions. And, and I may, I'll make even better decisions if, if they give me the, the information that they have. So what if what did you do? What have you done to 
you know, transform that? Yeah, so I, I, um, I've picked a couple um, projects that um, I probably should have consulted the team more on before I made the decision to move forward on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were costly and uh, they were not successful. Right. And, <laughs> and did I, you go back to, your, back to your employees and say, look, I just really screwed up here? Yes. And what we've done, I guess the corrective measure is that um, we do these things called brainathons now. So not all the ideas have to come from me anymore. Right. So we, we, uh, we solicit uh, about every year we have a brainathon and anybody in the company down to like the customer service person can pitch a, a project, a game, something right. that the company might do. Uh, and we, we've picked products and projects that, uh, you know, People that are just artists in the company have p- pitched and we've selected them. Mm-hmm. But you only do that once a year? Well, because a project takes over a year to just to do. And so once we picked a few of these, now we're busy for the next year trying to get those done. So it wouldn't, mm-hmm. wouldn't do us a lot of good to do it more often than once a year. I see what you're saying. Okay. So would you say that you started, it, it sounds a little bit like this, what you were missing and what you started to build was a culture of feedback. Yeah, right. and collaboration and more collaboration. Right. And, and you know, I, I, I can't say it enough. It's in my book. It's in a lot of what I write. That has to come from the CEO, right? Um, and basically practicing what you're preaching, right? And, and to really get to really be clear with your people that, hey, I don't care what level you are. If you have something to talk about, it's okay. No one's going to throw you under the bus. You're not going to be at risk of losing your job. We want to hear your feedback. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I've hired the wrong people. Well, right. I mean, everybody does. The goal, you know, I say the goal is, is to have under 10% failures, right? And over 90% successes in your hiring. And it takes work to do that. Um, so what, what, if anything, bugs you about the industry that you're in? It can be, um, it can be, it can be very aggressive. So there's there are some players out there that uh, are very aggressive about trying to extract every dime they can from a customer, and you know I'm in business to make money, and and I, I I you know I'm trying to be profitable, but there are things I will not do and bridges I will not cross in order to make money uh, that I just feel are are bad practices. Uh, there's a competitor of ours um, that was caught. Um, People were were asking that their accounts be deleted because they felt like they were they were playing too much, and so instead of turning their account off, they said, "Oh no, here here's some free coins. Keep playing, keep playing. You'll have fun." And they they, they kept on encouraging them to continue playing. Um, yeah, and, and they, I've seen stories about that, and I'm horrified. You know, people who basically lost everything because that's what they do. They give you free stuff, and then you know they suck you back in. Yeah, so I, I'm, it's, and if you played one of, excuse me, if you played one of our games, you'd notice that um, most games are in your face with these pop-ups and, and splash screens that say, hey, for only 99 cents, hey, come do this, hey, come do this. I hate that stuff. And as a, you know, as a player, uh, I, I take their position. I take, I put myself in their place when they're playing one of our games to make sure that we don't come off like that. So, so. How do people how do people find find you? Is it just you know internet searching? It's mostly search. Uh, we have okay. a great relationship with a company called Publishers Clearinghouse. 
<laughs> Heard uh, of them? <laughs> yep. uh, and so those, uh, their customers line up really well with ours. People that like to play in, play sweepstakes, that like to, you know, take a chance to win a hundred thousand dollars or more. More, I guess they have stuff that where you can win a millions of dollars. Um, those customers are really attracted to our products as well. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, tell me a little bit about Derek, your your talent strategy over the years, right? Like, you know, again, you founded the company in two thousand seven. When did you start hiring? How did you start hiring? You know, did you start with a small team? When did you start growing? What does that look like? What did that look like? Yeah, so the my first uh, the first people were people that were working with me in my previous company. Uh, we'd been working together for three or four years at that point. And when I told everybody, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about starting this new thing, um, a half a dozen people agreed to come join me and, and check it out. So that was the first step. And and we probably went with that that group for I get the first three or four months of the company without hiring anybody anybody new. But then we started to raise a little bit of money and so we started to do some hiring. Um, and at that point is when you try and figure out, you know, well, what is the culture gonna be? You know, what kind of people are flow play people? You know, what 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 do we what do we because that's the, that's what culture is. Culture is who you hire, right? That's right. And so what we figured out between my partner and I is that we didn't want rock stars in the sense of anybody that felt like um, they had a huge, anybody had a big ego. Um, I mean, you can find lots of talented people that know they're talented and because they know they're talented, they don't play well with others. And we really felt like we wanted a, a group of people that uh, were collaborative, uh, that, you know, recognized the contributions of others and, and uh, you know, got along. Uh, I mean, we call it a no asshole policy, but it goes beyond the no asshole policy. It goes, right. it goes into like, you know, you know, do do you do you want to play with other people and work with, together with other people to make something, or are you mm -hmm. just a lone wolf out there and you and you what you you know it all? Uh, anybody right. that thinks they know it all is wrong. Yeah, well, they, they there certainly leaves no room for possibility of you know doing anything great, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So so. Given what you're talking about in the culture of that first group of people that you brought in from your prior company, did any of them fail? Sure. Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, and what yeah. happened was not um, good, but that's that's a very common, yeah. I believe, mistake founders make is they bring in their friends from their old company and they don't necessarily work in the you know in the in the startup. Very common. So tell me a little and bit I, about that. I think part of it was that um, it's hard. Uh, it's hard in a new company because things are changing quickly. You know, you, when you when you first started a small startup, your purview is huge. You know, you've got five different hats you're wearing. And when it comes to start peeling off some of those hats and giving up uh, some responsibility or some territory to somewhere else, that's a conversation you have to have with those people to say, okay, well, I know you were working on this project, but hey, we're growing and now we're going to need a little extra help here and you need to give that up. And that's a hard conversation to have sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, so you know, regarding your no asshole policy, <laughs> how did you determine people weren't going to be assholes in your in your hiring in your interviewing process? Yeah, so I'm the last person. Uh, well, I'm always the last person they meet with. Sometimes I meet with sure. them intermittently throughout the, mm -hmm. the uh, interviewing process, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I always have a, a final meeting just to sort of suss that out. Uh, and it's, 
It's really a gut thing. I can't say there's a particular question I ask or, or you know, think I'm really looking for so much as a, as a, as a uh, you know, a, a hint of condescension, a hint of um, superiority, a hint of um, not listening to me when I'm talking to them, uh, or, or, or you know, coming up with an easy answer to something I ask. I ask them. It's it's a tough thing to to quantify and to put a finger on, but I'm really just looking for someone, uh, you know, that that I feel like is collaborative and will work well with with the rest of the team versus trying to be the rock star and and to tell everybody what they're we're going to do. So that process, what percentage of I'm going to use the word good hires would you say you made with that process? Yeah, um, we're, well, if you if you measure good hires by employee retention. Uh, I mentioned that one person left the company in January. That was the first person to leave in three years. Uh, so we, nobody has left the company. We had 0% uh, attrition in the three years prior to that. So we have incredibly good uh, retention of customers. Uh, my average employee has worked for me for eight years. Awesome. On average. Uh, so we give a we have a we have a we have a cool jacket. You get it five years that has five year veteran on the side. Yeah. At, at ten years, you get a, a gold a one ounce gold ingot. Uh, so a lot of people are super excited to be at their ten year anniversary and get that uh -huh. ingot. Yeah. And mm -hmm. fifteen, we just did fi the fifteen year award is a a free trip uh, anywhere you want to go and a and a flow play suitcase. Oh, that's fantastic. And 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 will the new owners honor those things? Do you believe? They will. They will. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, when I say anywhere you want to go, they, they have uh, they have any casino that we have. <laughs> ah, okay, so, so they, they limited that. So, yeah. yeah. So right. you well, can go you to know, Aruba. People... You can yeah. go to Curacao. Yeah, I mean those are those are both great places, right? Um, you know, I'm a bone air fan myself, but I'm a diver. So, okay. <laughs> but you know, uh, if, if you're not, I mean, Aruba and Curacao are great places to go, right? I mean, they're that whole, that whole part of the world is fantastic. It's out of the hurricane um, zone. <laughs> well, I mean, you just don't go at certain, I mean, you don't go now, <laughs> right? I mean, you have to just be careful about when you're going during the year. So, so, and, that, and that's really fantastic. Um, so if, if, if you're measuring good hires, not by retention, and that's part of it, but if we're talking about meaning we, you got somebody on board and you're like, oh, crap, this person's not a fit. That's the percentage I'm kind of getting after. Yeah, um, it's pretty low. I, I, would, I would say it's one in 10, maybe barely okay, higher fantastic. than that. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, that's that's over ninety yeah. percent success. And you usually usually try and do it as quickly as you can, just to save everybody mm -hmm. else, everybody the hassle. It's like as soon as you know, you know. Mm -hmm. Would you say that your retention is one of the things you're most proud of when it comes to your organization? I think so. We we we, um, we brag a lot about it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty um, I'm pretty stoked that you know my team has been with me for so long and decided to trust me for so long, and you know I've seen the rewards of that. Derek, if somebody was was looking to get into the gaming industry that you're in, what kind of advice would you give them? Boy, it's a, it's not an easy industry to get into because it's a, it's hard to get experience, uh, and people without experience uh, don't get hired very often. Right. Um, my my usual um, discussion with people that I have from time to time that are trying to break in is like, you need to figure out. One of the, which one of the three angles you're going to be. So you can be a coder, 
and games is always looking for great coders, but you want to be a creative coder, somebody who can think outside the box when it comes to coding. Um, you want, or you're an artist, and so what kind of help? What kind of concept art can you do? Yeah, what right. kind of mm -hmm. you know graphic design can you do? Or you're you're a marketer. You're you're uh, you're not an engineer. You're not a you're not an artist, but you're a person who can you know position a product and find a, find an audience for that product. So those are the those are the three main ways in is to sort of figure out you know what you you what what you're best suited for and start preparing yourself to to take that on and, and to put yourself in one of those positions. What would you say are the biggest threats to the industry to the space? Hmm. Yeah, the, the cost of customer acquisition uh, are always going up. Um, and so what happens is at, at this point, it, you know, you get to a point where it's break even. That's because that's the, that's how they in an auction system where people are bidding on keywords or they're essentially bidding on customers. You get to a, to a break even situation where the highest bidder is, is barely breaking even on those bids. And once you're there, it, it becomes very hard to be profitable. Uh, so that's 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 the hardest thing for me is to is to to play that to win that game and winning that game is not easy. Yeah. So earlier on in our conversation, you know, we talked about you know as of the acquisition in December, um, you know, you moved from step down as CEO and became president. Tell me a little bit about the new CEO and where that person came from and how how you're doing with that person. Uh, well, uh, so Jay is the CEO of Wind Creek. And okay. so since Wind Creek's our parent company, um, you know, we thought it better that I, that I not take the CEO role because there's already a CEO of Wind Creek. Uh, Jay is a uh, is an amazing guy. He's been uh, he's been working in, in tribal casino products uh, for almost 30 years. Uh, so he has a ton, a ton of an experience. Wealth and knowledge and experience. Sure. He does. But he, but he's also got uh, a lot in common with with the things that we think are valuable in terms of employee retention, in terms of mission, uh, in terms of respecting the customer, uh, in terms of uh, valuing the customer and the customer experience. He, he uh, you know, you, you in corporate marketing materials, you, you see a lot of this kind of stuff like, well, the customer always comes first and right. we value our employees. Yeah, but yeah. I, I see under the hood what's happening and it's really true. I mean, the, the way they take care of their people, the way they take care of their customers and then the care that they take with their customers, I, 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 I see it happening and, and it, it, it's real. That's fantastic. Well, and that's important, right? And I have to imagine that, you know, as, as you and Doug were, you know, once when they approached you, um, I'm sure you had many conversations on, you know, this is, you know, this is our baby. We grew it up. We built it. You know, are we going to turn it over to somebody that's going to ruin it? or that's going to help it flourish, continue to flourish, right? And from that point of view, it's mostly about the employees, just making sure that, that that's there's, a, exactly there's a soft right. landing for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously we care about our customers, but our cu customers are going to hardly know that there's a new owner of the, of the company. It's, it's the employee. Well, and that's what you want. It's seamless, right? Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Derek, tell me a little bit of how you spend your time when you're not working. Oh, boy. Uh, if you ask my wife, she'd tell you I have too many hobbies. <laughs> um, so I, I, I make my own beer, uh, oh, I, I do it. a little bit of distilling, I make uh -huh. my own gin, uh, -huh. uh I've, I, I play guitar, there's, uh, eight guitars behind me, 
Wow. Uh, my Including some cats. Studio, <laughs> my little recording studio here. The, ca- the cats yep. actually are music lovers. Good for oh, them. they are. Because well, my daughter's <laughs> a musician too, and they're her cats. So they've, they've grown uh, up listening to loud music. Uh, um, so what else? Yeah, beer. Uh, oh, I make my own charcuterie. So I do um, prosciutto, uh, Italian salamis, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Spanish chorizo, all kinds of stuff that I make in the kitchen. Um, yeah, too many hobbies. You have, yeah, well, I, you know, and, and of course, it's not like you're retired, right? You've got a two-year not contract yet, no. with with yep. the, with with your new owners, and so I'm sure you're still working pretty. You're working pretty hard, yeah. Um, you know, to continue, and uh, I, will your wife still say you have too many hobbies once your contract is up and you're, you know, you're a, f- a free man? <laughs> yeah, she'll probably want me more out of her hair at that point. <laughs> at that point, <laughs> would you go somewhere and do something? <laughs> she'll be happy that you have more hobbies, maybe at, at that yeah. point. So, um, if somebody listening to this loves your story and loves the story of your company, Flowplay, uh, and is thinking, this is, you know, this is a company I'd love to maybe work for. What would, what should they do? So we have a, a URL called jobs at flowplay.com. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I read every one that comes through. So me and my awesome. partner both do. Uh, so if Fantastic. anybody is interested in a career change or, you know, a new career in games, uh, I go through every resume that comes through jobs at flowplay.com. That's that's great. So so are, are the people that you hire is it all inbound or do you do any outbound finding actual recruiting? <laughs> oh, we do a ton of actual recruiting. Yeah, we we have to. Uh, and, and typically, it's like I want a DBA from that company. Go 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 find me that guy. Uh, so right. yeah, it's 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 pretty. Uh, it's, you have to be pretty strategic and pretty specific about who you want and, and what experience they should have. And, and did you build an internal recruiting organization? Did you hire agencies to do this? Who's, who's doing this headhunting for you? It, it, it's too specialized uh, to do it in-house. Uh, so we have a specific headhunter that we use for any mm-hmm. engineering-related uh, mm-hmm. role. We have a mm-hmm. specific recruiter and recruiting company that we use for any of our marketing roles. Uh, and we have another one for just the creative side, if, if you for artists and, and, and people that are graphic designers. So there are three major head-ending groups that we use, depending upon which which specialty we're looking for. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanna that you wanna tell um, me? Mom, 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 I guess what do I do in a year and a half when I'm uh, put out to pasture? <laughs> you're too young to be put out to pasture yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to figure that out i'm trying yeah. to figure out um you know what what do i do i i, I can't do nothing uh retirement is uh, doesn't sound like fun to me i you know i two days into any vacation i'm already bored and and trying to figure out something else to do uh oh, so I, i'm not i'm not a good relaxer <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I get it. It's hard when you're, you know, it, when you're an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, it's really hard to, you know, to to stop. It's hard to turn it I mean, off. I find yeah. that hard to take a vacation. I couldn't tell you last time I took a vacation. I'm right. trying to go to Vegas in September <laughs> for a two for a two day conference, and right, I booked conference, a week right. vacation, <laughs> and I'm still trying to decide if I want to go do that or if I want to cancel that trip. <laughs> So I, I get it. I get it. I think, like I said, all successful entrepreneurs feel the same way. Well, that said, uh, Derek Morton, co-founder and former CEO, now president of Flow Play. It's really been interesting. I, this is a conversation I've never had before. So thanks so much for your, for your time and your generosity. No worries, Carol. Thanks for contacting us. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.